This is Beyond Belief Sobriety, a podcast and community for people who are seeking or who have found a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. Every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Time, we have a meeting for listeners of the podcast. And you're free to join this meeting anytime you want to. I'll post a link to it in the show notes. Typically what we do is we'll have a guest from a previous episode speak for about 30 minutes. And then we'll go around the room and comment on what the guest has said. Or we'll play a clip from one of our episodes and use that as a basis of conversation. This week I really needed to get an episode published and I was having a hard time. So... I asked the group if they wouldn't mind if maybe I used the meeting as an opportunity to record an episode. They agreed, and the result is what you are about to hear. Now, before we get started, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Soberlink. If you're seeking a tangible way to maintain accountability and prove sobriety to loved ones, you have to try Soberlink. If you haven't heard of Soberlink, they've created a remote alcohol monitoring system that revolutionizes the way people document sobriety. The system includes a breathalyzer and uses artificial intelligence to display your test results in a calendar format, helping you analyze your habits and prove to yourself and others that you are, in fact, not drinking. It even has real-time results, facial recognition, and tamper detection, so no one will question the validity of your results. Soberlink and I have created a guide called Five Tools and Strategies for those on a secular path to recovery that you can find at Soberlink.com slash BBS. So if you're ready to take the next step in your recovery journey, mention the Beyond Belief Sobriety Podcast when ordering Soberlink and you'll receive $50 off their device. And now, episode 274, Sober with Purpose. The episode begins with me reading an essay that I wrote about purpose and sobriety, followed by comments from some of the people who attended the meeting. I hope you enjoy. A few weeks ago, I posted episode 270, What is Recovery? Based on a pamphlet published by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, SAMHSA. The pamphlet was called SAMHSA's Working Definition of Recovery. In that pamphlet, SAMHSA defined recovery as a process of change through which individuals improve their health and wellness, live a self-directed life, and strive to reach their full potential. That pamphlet went on to list four major dimensions that support recovery, health, home, purpose, and community, as well as 10 principles of recovery. I liked the pamphlet so much that I thought I would record episodes to cover each of the four dimensions and each of the ten principles. So for this episode, I'll be talking about the dimension of purpose. We'll take a look at what purpose is, how to go about finding it, and why it supports recovery. So what is purpose? Purpose is my reason for being, why I get up in the morning, what motivates me to learn and grow, and the passion that makes life worth living. There isn't any one thing that gives me purpose either. There are many things that bring meaning to my life and motivate me to live to my fullest potential. This is true with my life overall as well as with my sobriety. I find meaning by doing what's important to me based on my values. 
This gives me a sense of purpose, and it's a freedom I didn't enjoy while drinking. During that time, I lived from one crisis to the next. I was alive, but not really living. There was no purpose, no intention to how I lived. There was no direction in my life. Sober, if I had any purpose at all, it was this vague idea that life could be better, and self-improvement seemed to be my purpose early on in my recovery. At that time, it was important to me to participate in recovery meetings and to get some stability and joy in my life. This was pretty much the extent of my purpose during the first 10 years of my sobriety. At that time, I didn't have any specific goals, and I wasn't trying to reclaim any of my dreams that I lost to drinking. Before my drinking completely took over, I had this vision of how my life would play out. Education was important to me, so I assumed that I would go to college and get a degree. I wanted to have children, so I thought after college I would get a job, marry, buy a house. I guess it was the white picket fence American dream that I gave up on when my life got crazy. I carried a lot of guilt and shame because of my alcoholism. When I stopped drinking, I had no idea who I was. I actually have this memory of sitting in a jail cell waiting for my day before the judge. As I sat there, I had a thought of what I wanted out of life. All I wanted was to be free. I saw myself getting a job, maybe cleaning offices or something like that, living in a studio apartment and going to AA meetings. That was honestly the best that I could do. I think that because of all the failures I experienced during my drinking years, I figured that I too was a failure. I was ready to settle for something less. I gave up on my dreams. I have a friend who to this day will remind me from time to time about a conversation he had with me when he first started out in AA. I was there for a year and I think he was there for maybe a couple of months and he asked me how I was doing. I said something like, I'm miserable but I'm staying out of jail and that's all I care about. We laugh about that now, but that was my mindset. So I've learned something from my past that I would like to pass on to anyone who is newly sober. This is an exciting time for you. You can reclaim your lost dreams. You can decide what you want your life to look like. And you can set goals to achieve things. You can live sober with purpose. You don't have to wait 10 years like I did. So how do you go about finding your purpose? A good place to start is to think back to your life before your addiction took over. Were there any hobbies that brought you pleasure that you gave up because of your drinking? Did you have dreams of what life would be that fell by the wayside because addiction took over? Was there something you were passionate about that you lost to alcohol or drugs? You're sober now, and you can live a self-directed life. If you want to live sober with purpose, then it might also be a good idea to take a look at your values. What's important to you? Smart Recovery has a great tool called the Hierarchy of Values. It's used primarily to help people become motivated to change their behaviors and move into another phase of the recovery process. It goes something like this. A person is ambivalent as to whether they have a problem with alcohol, so the meeting facilitator will ask them to write on a whiteboard their top five or ten values. 
the person will list things like, I value spending time with my family. I value my career. I value travel. I value being a good parent. I value being with people. Those are all good values, but the facilitator will ask, where is alcohol on that list? Now, if the person is honest, they'll see that their drinking took priority over all their values. They weren't spending time with their family. Their job was suffering. They couldn't take trips. They weren't there for their children. They isolated from others. The person now realizes just how much alcohol affected their life, and they become more motivated to change and start the recovery process. Well, a similar exercise can be undertaken to find your purpose. You already have the motivation to stay sober, and you know what you lost to alcohol or drugs. Now it's time to go about figuring out what you want your recovery to look like. What's your purpose? Smart Recovery has an article on their website called Values and Goals Clarification. The article suggests that clarifying your values will help allow you to live a more self-directed and purposeful life. Start by writing down your values, either on a piece of paper or you can use your computer, whatever you prefer. List as many as you can think of and then go back and rank the top three or five values. Your values can be things like, you know, being emotionally stable, getting an education, being physically fit, being married, having companionship, having a career. Once you've identified the top three or five values, you want to translate those values into changing behavior. They suggest writing down three columns. The first column being what you value. The second column being the goal of what you want to have happen. And the third being the behavior, what you're going to do about it. So for example, in my case, I valued education. I had some shame for never having completed my college degree. So I'll write down education in the first column as my value. In the second column, I write down the goal. I want to earn a degree. In the third column, I write down what I'm going to do. This could include looking into colleges and programs, figuring out how to finance it, making time for it. The goals might start simple and then build as I accomplish one at a time. So I learned about a program at the University of Missouri, Kansas City to earn a bachelor's degree in liberal arts. I then go through a series of steps to make this happen. I did this after 10 years of sobriety. I was 35 years old. I went back to college. I loved it too. I was reclaiming a dream that I gave up on long ago. I was realizing that in sobriety, I could do what I wasn't able to do when I was drinking. I realized that though I had experienced failures, I was not a failure. I also learned about my limitations, what classes were too much for me. And I was careful not to get myself in over my head. I got that bachelor's degree, and then I went on to earn an MBA. So I started setting other goals that fit with my values. Having a partner in life was important to me, so for the first time since I was sober, I started taking action to find someone who I was compatible with. It took a little longer than I had hoped, so there weren't going to be any kids for us, but when I was 44 years old, Susan and I got married. That time, after my 10th year, was really magical because I was living with purpose. I was doing more than just not drinking and going to meetings. I was doing what was important to me that aligned with my values. Ever since, I've continued to live my recovery with a real determined purpose. 
Now, with what I have learned over the years, I can live with real intentionality. I live with purpose. So why does living with purpose support recovery? In my case, living with purpose keeps me motivated to stay in recovery. I've proven to myself that I can't live by my values when I'm drinking. I can't have a self-directed life. I can use my values as a compass that keeps me on track. Also, when living sober with purpose, we get to know ourselves and live authentically. I'm not living my life based on how someone else thinks I should live it. I'm living in a way that comports with what I value. Knowing myself and being true to who I am helps me connect with other people, and community has always been vital to my well-being and recovery. A study from the University of Wisconsin-Madison found that purpose in life predicts better emotional recovery. I'll quote from the most basic section of the study that tells you what it's about, and I'll send you a link in the show notes so that you can read it for yourself, but basically this is what it says. Purpose in life predicts both health and longevity, suggesting that the ability to find meaning from life's experiences, especially when confronting life's challenges, may be a mechanism underlying resilience. Having purpose in life may motivate reframing stressful situations to deal with them more productively, thereby facilitating recovery from stress and trauma. In turn, enhanced ability to recover from negative events may allow a person to achieve or maintain a feeling of greater purpose in life over time. Essentially, I'm happier when I live with a sense of purpose, when there's meaning to my sobriety. When I keep my values front and center, it helps me organize my time so that I'm spending the right amount of time in the activities that align most with my values. And now I'd like to hear from you. Are you sober with purpose? How did you find your purpose? Has it changed over time? Do you realize that in sobriety you have the freedom to reclaim at least some of your dreams? And have you? Our first speaker is Chris, who found purpose and service to others. Yeah, purpose was a it was tremendously important uh, between my active addiction and my active recovery. It was an important aspect of going from one to the other. I remember I used to think when I was in active addiction that um, there was a line to a Jimmy Buffett song, and it, and it basically said, you know, being born two hundred years too late. And I related to that because I could not relate to anything that was going on. I felt like I was walking around on this earth doing absolutely nothing. I had no goals, no aspirations, no plans, no big uh, picture in mind. Um, It was like I was just existing from day to day. And in in a way, we do that in AA uh, or in recovery, but it's a little different. And I can remember uh, being agnostic and coming back when I finally have stayed sober since 09. And so desperate to the point where I actually picked up Rick Warren's book <laughs> on a purpose-driven life. And I think the, ma- the major message that I got out of it was the same thing that I kind of got out of AA in the big book, which was basically to be there to assist or help others. And therefore, I, I turned that into my recovery. You know, the first, my purpose was to get better and quit screwing up and, and quit going to jail and quit uh, racking up the consequences that I was racking up, quit lying, stealing, cheating, and be a more responsible person. And the way I found that was, you know, 
in recovery was the first thing that I was taught or I learned or I listened to and absorbed was um, helping another person, helping another uh, alcoholic in the rooms or helping another person who was struggling. Uh, I had learned really quick that that would not only not so much maybe help them as much as it would help me. And that was the message that I got from, from Bill was to, in helping others, I really helped myself a lot more. I found a lot of purpose through service positions. Any service position that I could get, I would hold and, and I just clung on to it and, and wanted to do more and more and more. Uh, so much where I started learning history of that fellowship and I started learning the structure of that fellowship and going beyond just the steps of recovery, but traditions of recovery and, and, and things like that. And it got me interested in the history. And so as I'm creating this purpose of learning more about what I'm in, the fellowship I'm in and more about it, I can communicate or talk to somebody else a little better and hopefully uh, be able to guide them in, in some general way uh, towards maybe their recovery. And, you know, chairing meetings, leading meetings, leading, that, that helped a lot. I would always try to volunteer when there was nobody there to do it or, or try to sign up to lead meetings and sharing my experience. You know, every time that, you know, it, especially during the beginning when I would get asked to share my story at a speaker meeting, uh, in some places they call it a lead meeting, I was real nervous and didn't want to do it, real anxious. And so I learned to to start doing that and getting out of myself to help others. You know, uh, when COVID hit and the meeting shut down and there was no more face-to-face and I was already starting to back away a little bit from the service uh, structure, I was confronted again with purpose. What is my purpose? What am I going to do to have that? Because I knew how vital for some reason that was for me. And Sure enough, something popped up and, you know, those meetings and and getting the word out about meetings uh, that were online, um, that became uh, beneficial to a purpose for me and kept me going every single morning and kept me going every single day to try to get the word and the message out. And so when I come back to it, what all I've learned, you know, is, you know, part of that primary purpose that I learned about was to carry that message to the next suffering person in some shape, form, or fashion. And so I still try to hang on to that. I don't, I'm not as involved or I don't do it as much as I used to, but I still have that at the core of me outside of recovery, uh, learning to try to be a better husband and a better parent. I suck, really suck at both of those, but that doesn't keep me from trying to know uh, or trying to learn to do a little better and start realizing when I'm not doing it very well. And, and maybe I might beat myself up a little bit, but realize, hey, I'm, that's just who I am and I've got to learn to try to do better. And a hobby, I picked up a guitar and started playing. Absolutely love doing that. It just kind of takes me away. Uh, I use it for meditation purposes, really, or some kind of transcendental type state of mind, which is really cool. Um, so purpose for me has been really huge in my recovery and it was really huge not having a purpose when I was in my active addiction. So anyway, that's all I've got. Thank you, John. And now Barb, who has found purpose in the joy of everyday things. 
What a great, great topic and a great way of looking at it. You know, I don't remember thinking, thinking those things out loud when I came into AA. Like other people have mentioned, I got really, really busy in AA. And it was in retrospect, as I, as I see it today, um, you know, some of it was I was still kind of running from myself. Um, you know, I remember looking at those promises on the wall. And that fourth promise said, we will know peace. And that's what I wanted. That was my, my goal, to shut my mind off or da- turn it down at least. And, you know, the way that I found to do that was just to continue to stay so busy that I didn't have time to think. And I can remember a few mornings in sobriety, waking up and having been so tired that I didn't really remember going to bed, you know, and it kind of clicked into me. It's like, is this really any different? But I kept doing it for a while. And there was some, you know, there was some fun times. There was some people that I got to know. But when you talked about values, John, you know, during that time, I could tell you all the things that I valued. And I was putting AA above all those things, which I was told that you should, because without that, Without your recovery, you didn't have those things to value. And so I was kind of getting away from it, I think, like Chris shared, you know, and then we hit the pandemic and then that everything changed for me. That's when I, you know, realized that my beliefs were not what I really thought. Um, Being, you know, becoming a non-believer and kind of processing all of that and then finding a new purpose, you know, and through that time, my youngest child graduated from high school. And so it was really kind of a fruit basket upset. And I really like what you said, though, about having different purposes. I don't think my one purpose in life is to save the still sick and suffering alcoholic. I think maybe that's if I can help um, enhance someone's recovery in some way, I certainly want to be available to do that. I live in a small community. Um, most people know that I'm in recovery. And so I, I take that seriously to be a good example of that. And what I really thought of as you started reading that is um, my oldest daughter, whom we struggled greatly in our relationship through my drinking, wrote me the absolute most beautiful piece of poetry that I ever, the greatest gift I think I've ever received besides the kids themselves. And she talked about when they were little, I did not drink a lot. And so she talked about that there, that I always found joy in whatever we did. And we didn't have a lot of money. We couldn't do a lot of, you know, well, we did a lot of things, rode bikes and painted shirts and made happy day cakes. And And, you know, I reclaimed that when she sent that to me that day. I thought, that's a really great purpose. And and I am the person that walks around the building every morning and says, good morning, how are you to everyone? And, and, you know, I don't know if I felt that that was important before, um, but I do find a joy in living. Um, I just, and I think, you know, now that I've changed to the, the non-believer, I find even more joy in the fact that somehow after billions of years of evolution and and the the cosmos, whatever it is that's out there, that that somehow it all 
came together to make a me, you know, and I get to be here and be part of this. And, and part of my purpose is learning more about that. I love to, to study and learn about that and listen um, to podcasts. I'd like to be able to articulate that a little bit better. Not so much to challenge people, but in conversations like this, to be able to kind of tell you who I am and, and what makes me tick. So I guess, you know, today I can just be a joyful person in whatever situation that there is. And, you know, my office door is always open. And if anyone come in, came in with a drinking problem, of course, that, you know, I hope I would maybe know a little better than some of the other problems they come in with. But, you know, I'm always grateful that for that. And I'm grateful to work in a place where if that door is closed for quite a long time with someone that is having some problems that I'm, I'm granted that time. And I'm never questioned about said or why they were there. So uh, it is really exciting and it is reclaiming. I like that word for myself, you know, reclaiming a lot of those things, um, some music and some artsy kind of craft things that I have time for. And basically the greatest gift, like, like John talked about was just being able to be who I am being unapologetically myself and being okay with if people don't care for that, you know, what's the thing? I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but I'm not hurting people. I'm not taking time away from my, my family. I am putting action into the values that I have. And I'm looking forward to finding that and, and, um, actually sitting down and maybe writing some of that stuff out because this is a, a, a growing and going journey. And I love that we can keep on learning from each other. And I so appreciate you, John, and the work that you put into um, this to help all of us. Thanks, everybody. And now we hear from Lisa, who, after a relapse, has found purpose in reconnecting to the things that matter to her. First of all, when we talk bad about ourselves or negative to our, ourselves, I believe that we put the energy in, into failing before we begin. So, um, and I'm really good at that. And But I, I was talking to a group of people that I meet with on a regular basis about purpose because I'm recently back from a really long stretch out there in a 15 year um, oopsie. And uh, when I had seven years in good solid sobriety, I had firm, solid purpose. And over that period of time, I convinced myself that I was still in the healing state and I was still okay. And it wasn't. And then I stopped creating and I stopped connecting to the things that really mattered to me. My belief system is different as I, we all are, right? I'm not, I always had a really hard time in other groups or any groups when the forcible stuffing, you know, religion was there. But I have my own gifts that I have to offer. And those are the things that first things that I let go of when I started to drink were the things that mattered to me. And my reason to stop going to at the time, AA 
was because the things that mattered to me, I thought were being pushed out. So I learned that focusing on purpose and recovery is really important and not making um, other people's opinions and thoughts your your goal uh, or your sobriety. And I really got really so far away from who I am by allowing this disease to twist up my entire life. And so I find myself here now and thinking about all the things that I lost. Yeah, loss of relationship, loss of things, but more than anything, that loss of a sense of purpose, that's the worst type of isolation, from, in my opinion. And isolation is a really dangerous place to be when you get that monkey on your back. And in the last week, I started to reclaim some of the things that I used to do. And um, it's starting to feel good. And I am so, so proud when I hear people talk about being in recovery and, you know, finding their purpose and following through and achieving it. The thing I caution against is, you know, they always say, and I always heard it, don't forget where you came from. Some people forget. Oh, well, I did everything I wanted to do. I was one of those people I always said I wouldn't do. Your purpose continues after you've reached that list. Now you can find even further ways to utilize your purpose. Because I guess that's what I wanted to say. Thank you for this meeting. And now Joe, who found purpose by reconnecting to what makes him happy. You caught me by surprise with this whole um, podcast. Uh, at first, I thought it was going to be really lame, and it really wasn't. You know, um, I, had ne- I had never even given this any thought, and at first I thought it might be one of those purpose-driven lives things, and I'm like, no, no. But um, I wish I had known this kind of thing earlier. I don't have hobbies, per se. Um, I'm, I'm terribly lazy. I value education tremendously. I value the arts. And I kind of, I wound up with an accidental uh, purpose for a while about my third year of sobriety. Um, and I pursued that career for about, you know, um, I became a coach. And one of the things about coaching is you, you become very OCD and it fit me to the T. I lived it. I breathed it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. When I was on my quiet time, I was planning. I was evaluating, you know, and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, I just hit a wall one day. And I said, I'm not doing anything for me. At least that's the way I looked at it. And um, I I said, so I just out and out quit. And I went through a lot of depression for a lot of years. And then uh, something hit me. I said one day, I said, I said to myself, what was the happiest, the best time when I, that I ever remember? And I remembered it was growing up in my late teens on a farm. And I, may, I was able and fortunate enough um, to make that connection again. Uh, I began working on farms for people. And the money wasn't, you know, money wasn't really the object. And I felt a lot of peace for a lot of time, but then, you know, I, 
had to take a look at myself and say, gee whiz, you know, you're working for cash all the time. You don't have any savings. Yeah, so I switched to, you know, and I, and now I'm chasing the almighty dollar and I'm reaching the point where I'm kind of tired of that. And, um, trying to hold on to a little bit of the real me when I'm surrounded by a, um, by a culture that is, um, overly macho and overly aggressive and money hungry like that too. And it, it gets tough to walk in that. And then when you're done, problem is you you, you, you work so much that when your downtime comes, it's almost like you crash instead of unwind and, you know, and find a hobby or do something. So I, um, I hope you do put that information in the, in the, um, in the link. Uh, I'd very much like to examine it. I tell myself right now that I'm in the final five years. You know, I might be in the final five years or, ten, or less of my life or t- less than 10 years. Uh, my health isn't great. I have a lot of mental energy, but my health isn't is what I'd like to be. So. Um, I just like to make everything count, you know, for uh, whatever I have left. Finding this group was the beginning of that. And finding topics like this is just um, one more beautiful caveat, you know, that I never would have gotten in traditional AA. Nobody ever would have twisted my thoughts or, you know, made me think of something like that. Because I went to a meeting today and it was, you know, it was, it was rough. You know, nobody talked about things like this. They talked about a book and they talked about God. And it was, I was looking for more, but I needed to touch base with that. You know, I, because then that makes this all the more precious. So um, thank you. And um, so great to hear everybody else's ideas on this too. And now we hear from Michelle who learned she needs to value herself. Of words that are, are just sort of popping out for me. Um, purpose, values. And then you also mentioned a self-directed life and self-knowledge. That's a lot in there. And um, when I came into... AA and this recovery venues, arenas, I don't know what you call it, this recovery process with a lot of wonderful people. Um, I didn't have any values left. I didn't have any self-knowledge. I didn't have any any direction. I, I really do. I was just, you've heard it said before, I'm sure, just a shell. I, I just literally wasn't there. The only thing that was there was alcohol trying to drown out something that wasn't even there anymore. So it's it's been interesting in the last 10 months to try to even find, I've I, I needed abstinence. That's what I needed. I, I had to get that. I had to get that going. And then I always thought too that I needed this grand purpose, you know, I'd lost that. I'd lost that in my life. I'd lost any kind of passion for life. I'd lost any kind of direction. But I, I sort of thought, you know, as I was doing this process, 
but I needed to find this grand purpose, this lofty purpose. And I absolutely loved what you said, that many things bring meaning to my life. And sometimes they can be little, and sometimes it can be a little purpose, a little piece of meaning that I've been able to find in getting sober and also getting the mental health help that I've needed. Um, so I, I, I love this topic um, and, and, and the values in life. Um, one thing that I've learned, um, yeah, and it's, uh, I think Joe said too, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how many years I have left too. And, and sometimes I think, well, just I'm gonna forget this, you know, whatever. No, I want the rest every single day, what years I do have left, to be of value in my mental health issues. I need to be of value to myself. And I lost that. I had no appreciation of any kind of value that I was worth anything. Um, so finding hope, finding little bit of purpose here and there has made just made all the difference it's just and I, I think Barb said reclaiming the joy my goodness we can re reclaim a little bit of joy it's a process anyway I, I'm oh and something else I love Barb what you said unapologetically myself I'm working on it <laughs> thank you guys Matthew found purpose by absolutely insisting to enjoy life. The worst of my drinking in, in 2015, uh, my life had, you know, had no purpose other than the next bottle of vodka, the next bag of wheat, the next Xanax I could get my hand on or whatever. You know, I had a job, but it's just at the bare minimum because, you know, you show up drunk or hungover, you can't do very well. And I definitely squandered a lot of opportunities for, for career advancement. And it's just all I did was just go to work, Go to the liquor store, well, change liquor stores every day. Go home, Netflix, drink, fall asleep, you know, and repeat. And that was my life. And so, like, I didn't have, yeah, I didn't have any hobbies. You know, alcohol was my hobby. And, um, and when I got sober, you know, definitely took the hard um, line. The big book, I think it is, you know, we insist on enjoying life. So people talk about, you know, a return to living or, a equipment book, so you may have read it. The unexpected joy of being sober. I, you know, I, I got really active doing doing things. Like I started traveling again. I go to the beach, go hiking, visit botanical gardens, uh, go to museums, Broadway. I, you know, like I'm always out and about. It. Like, again, was talking about Stranger Things. You know, this weekend, like I haven't <laughs> had time to, to watch it because I've been. Is he doing other things? And, you know, recovery gave me a sense of purpose and identity. It's like, you know, I, I squandered most of my friendships. And so, you know, now most, most of my friends are sober. And, you know, getting involved in AA, I, I took doing GSR because nobody else wanted to do it. Which is some small voice to steer AA in some direction. And, um, I guess group secretary and but you know this year a lot of new people have come in and that you know that's kind of giving me a sense of purpose just just being there and being socializing that make them you know feel comfortable as well as like all the 
after meeting things that we do, like um, you know, there was a barbecue yesterday at the beach, and we go out. To the diner, like creating a sense of community for, for you know, for really sober people it helps to give me a sense of purpose. And now my parents are they're in their late seventies; their physical health not so great. And now you know, if I wasn't sober, I wouldn't be able to help them with a lot of things. Even if I was, the, I show I used to show up to see my parents on Sundays, you know, still drunk or you know, reeking of alcohol. And um, now I'm at the phase of my life where I have to be there for them, finding my my true self. You know, someone had said to me from AA, you know, you you know you you <laughs> you definitely have a thirst for life, and you know I didn't have that when I was when I was drinking alcohol s- stole that from me. You know, my job I'm, I'm much better at it now, and uh, I think you know. Well, I may have squandered my opportunities for it, <laughs> for uh, higher levels of the organization. Other, other things have come along that will allow me to still be a you know an important player at work. Yeah, that's about it. And now Fred, who finds connection with others as being important to him. Fred, I'm uh, recovering from a um, sexual addiction. Actually, I think I'm alone in that in this group, but. That's okay, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm speaking up because I didn't want to, and I appreciate what Chris had to say about just sometimes that's what we can contribute to each other is just willing to to share, you know, even when you don't want to. I mean, I, in my home group, I always do because we just everybody kind of goes around and shares in face to face meetings. But I haven't been going that much because, uh, as I've discussed before, my home group is very God oriented, and I've kind of shifted on that, and so it's there's been a level of discomfort with that. I was actually curious about uh, maybe a future discussion about uh, the whole idea of deconversion and, and what, what that story is like for other people. Cause I kind of feel alone in it, in, in my circle of friends or people in recovery even. So I think that'd be an interesting topic. Maybe it's been covered before. Yeah. I still really struggle with purpose too. I, um, I live by myself I'm retired, so I'm not in the in the work environment anymore. Uh, I do appreciate what Chris was saying about when we were just talking about hobbies and stuff. Like I'm a musician; I play brass instruments, so primarily French horn, and that's been tough because when COVID hit, it pretty much shut down all musical ensembles I was involved with, and uh, some of them are just coming back now. But I used to play in like a you know, like a concert band and uh, before that a symphony and a, a woodwind quintet and a brass quintet and all kinds of stuff. So I really miss that, but I still play on my own and I get some fun out of that. Just pick, I have a corner where I have all my instruments out so I can just pick one up and start playing. So that's really been helpful. But uh, boy, I feel the need to connect. That's really important. That's why I'm part of, part of this group. And this really helps me with where I'm finding myself, you know, around the God issue and stuff to be a part of this the secular community. Uh, what else was I going to say? I don't know. I really appreciate uh, John, what you were talking about the, those, uh, the tools on that smart side. I think I'm going to check those out. That sounds like that could be a really valuable thing to, to look at that. And, and, and the whole idea about uh, how much time we got left, that that's, that's an interesting one. I think about that a lot. I really been enjoying uh, going on uh, Sam Harris's waking up site. He talks about stuff like this, not in a morbid way, but, he has this one little talk where he talks about, uh, you know, we're going to, everything we do, we're going to do for the last time at some point. We never know when that is. 
And so just, just to live life with a sense of preciousness, I think is important because yeah, I'm getting up in years. I'll be uh 74 this, this September. So yeah, my health's not that bad, but still, you know, you never know. So anyway, I really appreciate this group and uh, thanks for listening. Again. That's another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support our podcast with recurring monthly contributions, head on over to patreon.com slash beyondbeliefsobriety or become a member of our YouTube channel. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, then visit our website beyondbeliefsobriety.com and click on the donate button. I do appreciate your support. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety.